Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. We worship and honor you, the Holy One of Israel, the mighty God of Jacob, the covenant keeper, God of Abraham, who inhabits the worship of his people, as demonstrated here again today. As we go into the word, we humble ourselves afresh. We ask the same unction. Go with us as we go into the word and increase. Open our eyes. And we may behold wondrous things out of thy Lord. And then strengthen us to walk in that which you enable us to see. That we will not be hearers only, but doers of the word. Anoint me afresh. Let me speak as I should. Indeed as an oracle of God. Put the same unction and anointing, Father, on the ears and the hearts of all who will hear me, those who are physically present, as well as those who will be hearing me electronically, remotely, so that your word will flow freely from you through me to the people, to do an internal and eternal work in each of our hearts, including my own, in particular, cause our wills to become more humble, Minds to be more enlightened with revelation knowledge. Emotions to be more tempered and controlled by the power of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I further pray as I speak, the power of the Holy Spirit released in great as well as in sufficient measure to back these words and follow them wherever they are heard and releasing all the earth. Power that will heal, power that will deliver, power that will break yokes and free men so that they will become doers of what they hear and are hearers only. I also pray for mercy to be faithful, that I will deliver this word with precision. Redeem the time and say only what you want me to say. Bring another treasure of this word, things new and old, as a scribe instructed unto the kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And all those in agreement with me, receiving every blessing mentioned in that prayer, in their individual lives, all individually agreed and said, I have a very important instructional message for us today, and it's entitled, Faith, Power, and Miracles. Everybody say, Faith, Power, and Miracles. I'd like you to turn with me in the scriptures to Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading to start with from verses 17 through 26. Luke chapter 5 verses 17 through 26 and like Derek Prince used to say and following and it came to pass I didn't hear you always read the scriptures after us when you say there's something it does it 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 hits your uh, uh, thinking you know it helps you to be participate participate you know a lot of people just go to church and just sit down there's no active participation. And that's why this habit of reading the scripture 
and, and getting the congregation to say it. And you know, in the olden days, that was what was done. You see, you have to understand in the time of Jesus, you know, and even up to the last uh, two, three hundred years, you know, um, before, you have to understand that it wasn't until the um, reformation of Latin, Martin Luther in 1517, the invention of the printing press a few hundred years before that, you know, that people could afford individual Bibles. People couldn't afford individual Bibles. So the word of God you heard was what you heard when you went to church or in the Old Testament to synagogue on Saturday. And usually they would stand up to read. <clears throat> when they stood, the congregation many times would read after them. That's how they retained it in their minds. And, you know, over the years, you know, uh, they would pass it down by oral tradition. In other words, they would tell their children what God told them when they heard the word of God. So, it's a very good habit. So, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. Everybody say, as he was teaching. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. That they were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Turn to your neighbor and say, them who? Them Pharisees. Them doctors of the law. Them who had come out of every town in, of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. For those of you who don't know the geography of Israel very long, you know, uh, very well rather, you will not appreciate the significance of this statement. I don't know who called this meeting. <coughs> I don't even know if it was announced. You know, but God drew men. Every town. And you know, the Bible doesn't exaggerate. There were many towns in Galilee. Galilee is northern Israel. That's where Jesus grew up. The Sea of Galilee, you know, you had certain cities, you know, that were on that sea, on that, you know, that, that, that were coastal cities. Capernaum, which is actually the house of fish. That's where Peter, this is where this thing took place. That's where Peter lived, you know, and Peter had his house there. Then, but apart from Capernaum, there was Tiberias, you know, there, was, there were so many other cities, you know, Chorazin, you know, um, and many others. You know, then there was Nain, then there was Nazareth. All of this was in Galilee. But if you look at the map of Galilee, for people to have come from every town in Galilee was a big meeting. Somebody must have told them, or they had told one another, these were the uh, top pastors, if we're going to use that expression today. The general overseers, if we're going to use today's, the bishops of today. It means in the top men in all the different towns. For example, if it was today, maybe the top pastors in Ibadan, the top pastor in Lagos, the top pastor in uh, Abiokuta, you know, top pastor in Oyo. You know, it's like that. 
every town in Galilee. I'm sure somebody either told them or the Holy Spirit was the one who inspired them. Say, go. You've got to listen to what this man is saying. Where did he stop there? Judea. Judea is to the south. You know, Judea is the area to the south. Now that's where you have Bethlehem, you know, Jerusalem, you know, and uh, Bethany, and many of these other towns, you know, that's, that's to the south. And that's a lot of towns, you know. And then, of course, Jerusalem itself. So people came from everywhere. And they were not just ordinary people. They were the Pharisees. Notice there were no Sadducees there. It was the Pharisees. And it was the doctors of the law. These were guys who were schooled in Scripture. These are the people who knew the Bible and knew the Scripture. And I believe, the Bible doesn't say so explicitly, but I believe that somehow the Holy Spirit was the one who got them to come. They traveled. Some of them had to travel almost two days. Because for, in those days, they didn't have cars. Today, with a car, if you're going to go from, uh, from Bethlehem or from uh, Jerusalem and you went to, uh, up to Cape uh, uh, all those cities are still there in Israel. It'll take you about two hours by car, one and a half hours. It's like going from Lagos to Ibadan or from going from Lagos to Ife. You know, it's quite a distance. But, but in those days, they didn't have cars. So they had donkeys and all of that and horses. And it would have taken minimum, it would take you to travel from, you know. So it must have been very significant for them to make that effort to come all the way, you know, to the house of some unknown fisherman whose name is Peter. Obviously, they had heard of the great miracles that Jesus had been doing and the great messages he had been preaching. So it was the news of all of that. The Bible says the fame of him went throughout the whole region. They said, let's even go and listen. Let's go and hear what this carpenter from Nazareth has to say. And God was so kind. When they came, they were not rejected. They, Jesus didn't insult them. He didn't tell them, oh, you don't believe. And, you know, they, were, they were welcomed. The place was full. Full! It's Peter's house. Only God knows what Peter did that day. Maybe he had some of the neighbors. You know, I don't know how they must have done it. You know, the Bible, it was, the place was full. But God went a step further. Through the ministry of the word, and this is something, this is the reason why I'm preaching this today. People are not used to getting healing through the ministry of the word. Today, people want some acrobatics. They want some, that's why everybody say, faith, miracles, uh, faith, sorry, faith, power, and miracles. See, most people today, because of the mentality we've had from the 50s, you know, when people like Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne and um, Jack Cole and William Branham, you know, that mentality still with us today, had these big tent meetings. And to, when they prayed for the sick, they had what they call healing lines. People would line up, you know, and, and that these men of God would stand and they would bring them one by one, you know, and they will lay hands on them. Sometimes they will pour anointing oil on their head. They will pray for them. And 
thank God there were a lot of great healings, people like John G. Lake. You know, these were the, these were the healing revivals of the 50s that, you know, uh, we got our traditions from that subsist till today. So in many places, when you want to heal people, or when you want people to be healed in a meeting, you know, the, the man of God will stand. Sometimes, like Kenneth Hagin, like Oral Roberts, many of them, you know, after the night, it's too, it's too, it's too strenuous. So they will sit. They'll, they'll bring, a, they'll bring a, a, a chair, and, and the man will sit down. People will come, and he will lay hands on them, you know, and they, they will form a line. They'll come, they'll pray, and they'll go like this. The ushers will direct them, they'll go like this. It's very, very laborious. And even back then, there were great healings, don't misunderstand me, but there were many times, many of the people didn't get healed. And I'm going to explain to you why in a minute. Because, you see, many of them didn't come with the right attitude of faith. So they would come and they would go. Occasionally, God in His mercy and His wisdom would allow the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the revelation gifts of the Word of Knowledge, and the gifts of special faith, workings of miracles, and gifts of healings. So you had people who specialized in different healings. People like uh, um, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth, if, he, if you had appendicitis, you know, or you had you know, something, in the, he, when you come, he would box you. He would stand on the healing lap. He said, what? what's up? You know, he, had, he was from Bradford, this uh, English. So his English was not very good. He didn't speak Queen's English. He, speak, he spoke Bradford English. So he said, instead of saying, what's up? He would say, what's up? You know? And then he go, whoop! <laughs> it's just the devil. <laughs> and you know, you hit the person and the person will fall down and many times the person will get healed. But it wasn't every day. It was sometimes that would happen, you know. So they had the gifts of the Spirit. You know, people like Branham, they will say, oh, there's somebody here. God has just told me you have something in your neck. Come out. They'll come. They prayed for the person. Instantly the person got healed. But then there were hundreds who didn't get healed. There were many who would come. They lay hands on them. They will go. They'll lay hands on them. They will go. Kenneth Hagin, I just told us a few weeks ago, you know, uh, and I advise everybody, if you can, go and buy that book. It's online. It's on Amazon. I believe in visions. And read it afresh. You know, we read it 40, over 40 years ago. And I read it recently afresh. And it, it was very good for me because those things, I knew them, but it was fresh in my mind when I read them uh, uh, anew. And in one of the meetings, uh, and Jesus was very angry with Kenneth Hagin that day. God, he had given him a special anointing to pray for the sick. And he put his hand in his hands, you know, and it was like burning coal. And Jesus told him, he said, when you pray for the sick, he said, if the fire goes from your hand into the body, you know the person is healed. He said, if the fire jumps from one hand to the other, you know there's an evil spirit, cast it out. He said, if the fire, wait, listen to this, if the fire goes into the person's body and comes back, it means they didn't receive it. Jesus took and taken all of those things. So there was one particular meeting, you know, exactly what I'm telling you now is what happened. Ken Hagen came, you know, they invited him because they heard that he had these gifts of the Spirit and, and uh, healing anointing. So, you know, they would bring people, you know, people would come and say, like one, uh, one other man said, Raymond T. Ritchie was one of the old you, these were fathers to Kenneth Hagin. These were people who were before Ken Hagin. But I remember Ken Hagin talking about him. He said, divine healing is a dinner bell. If you ring it, people will come. Tell people we are going to be healed, the house will be full. 
So in the communities, you know, in those days in East Texas, West Texas, once they hear that the healing evangelist that people will come. Those who are born again, those who are not born again, everybody will come because everybody wants to get healed. So the healing evangelist or the, 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 the minister, he would stand and they would form a healing line. Then they would lay hands and they would pray and the people would go. So in this particular, I'm repeating this because I want to contextualize it in what I'm going to teach you, you know, and explain the reason why people didn't get healed then and now. And why the kind of attitude we need to need to have in order to get our healing. And not just to get it, to keep it. So, uh, when Ken Hagen arrived in this meeting, the pastor told him, he said, oh, you know, um, thank you for coming. And, you know, um, those days they didn't have big hotels like today. So, usually he would stay in the pastor's house, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the pastorage. They'll have a guest room for him. So, the pastor said, oh, we're trusting God that while you are here, God will use you to heal my niece. He's brother's daughter. She was about, I can't remember now, maybe 20. She was, you know, but she had a delibitating disease and her body was withering. She'd gone to the clinic. She's gone, you know, they said, I think it was some cancer or something, you know, and the girl was just wasting away and dying. So, when Ken Hagen got there, the pastor told him, said, look, now you're here, we're trusting God that God will use you to heal my niece. Uh, she'd gone to the doctors, they've run tests, you know, they've told her, look, uh, this, this is 1950s, you know, they didn't have the medicals that, she, you know, if, if nothing happened, she was going to die, you know, and uh, that, you know, she was to have an operation. So she fasted and prayed and said, look, if, uh, the, but they said the operation was dangerous, that there's 50-50, you know, she may live, she may die, you know, and, but if she doesn't do the operation, you know, it's just a question of time. So she fasted and prayed. This is what I can Hagen told the story, you know. And she said she wasn't going to do the operation. And she was going to trust God. Since, well, even if she, if she did the operation, there was no guarantee that she was going to live anyway. You know, maybe 18, 19. She, was, she wasn't a baby. And what happened was that uh, she fasted and prayed, you know, and was believing God. So when... Kenneth Hagin came, you know, uh, they brought her. I think they had to bring her in a, in a bed or a wheelchair or something. That's how bad it was, you know. And Ken Hagin was sitting down or standing, I can't remember, you know, and they were bringing a lot of people. People were coming from all over, you know. And he would lay hands and he would pray and people would go, you know. And um, two people, actually, this girl and another man. So, this little girl, well, not little, but, you know, this young girl, came, and Ken Hagen laid hands and prayed. Nothing happened. She went, you know. Then there was another man who had been having epileptic seizures, you know, and came from the back. Ken Hagen prayed. He went, nothing happened. Ken Hagen said this, that as that girl left, and she went back to sit inside the congregation, now, this is very, very important, what I'm about to share. You know, he suddenly, see these gifts of the Spirit, you can't manufacture them. You don't press a button to start them. He was in the Spirit. He's, he had descent of spirits and word of knowledge, and he saw an evil spirit like a monkey 
He said it was like a little monkey that was sitting on the girl's shoulder and was, had fastened himself to one of her lungs. He could see it in the spirit. So immediately he saw that that was happening. He told her to come back. He told her to come back. So when the girl now came back, he now addressed that evil spirit. You spirit of, you know, infirmity that is, you know, afflicting this girl's body. I cast you out. The evil spirit said, I know I have to go if you tell me. He said, get out. <laughs> you know, you know, the, and he, 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 he loosed his grip on the girl, fell to the ground, and that evil spirit ran away. And the girl lifted up her hand and said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You know, and it was almost, it was instant. Even though outwardly she didn't look any different. She looked just as, just as, you know, uh, frail as she'd looked before. But she was thanking God and speaking. And then I remember this also. That's why it's good to read these things afresh. You know, she had not been filled with the Holy Spirit all these years. She had been, you know, in those days they didn't have the right knowledge. She had been seeking, you know, in Pentecostal circles, so you go and seek. So when you come to church, you come and kneel down at the altar and you'll be seeking and begging God. You know, that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And then some people will seek and then they will get there. Then they will speak in tongues. And they will say, oh, I got the baptism. I got the baptism. So she hadn't spoken in tongues, you know. So immediately Kenneth Hagin prayed for a healing. She received the Holy Ghost, inst- you know, almost simultaneously. And she began to speak in tongues. And according to the story, she went back and uh, to the doctors this later on. And they ran all the tests. The thing had disappeared. Let's give a lot of clap offering completely. And she was healed. But the point I want to make is that Ken Hagen laid on her and she didn't get healed. Until the gifts of the Spirit were in manifestation. It should not be so. That's a lesson we need to learn. For the other man, you know, another man like that, I told you the story a few weeks ago, you know. Jesus had told Ken Hagen he had this gift of healing and everything. You know, there was three examples actually. So this second one now, this man, you know, Ken Hagen prayed for him and said that he should see if he can touch. He couldn't bend down and touch his knees. The man couldn't touch his knees. So the man went back to go and sit down. After Ken Hagen had laid his hands on him. Now that's, you see, I knew all of these things. That's why over the years, I discouraged that kind of this thing. You know, I knew God did it in the past. You know, I dis- because number one, it puts too much focus on the man of God. Number two, it's extremely strenuous. Number three, many times people don't get healed anyway because they don't operate in faith, which is what I'm about to teach you now, you know? So the man now went back to sit down. You know, he didn't get anything. You know, there was no healing. Then Jesus appeared. You know, he just had a vision of Jesus was standing just a few feet from the Jesus said to him, and he said he had fire in his eyes. He said he must, that must have, he looked when he drove out the money changers from the temple. Ken Hagin was telling this story. He said, Ken Hagin said, I said in my word that the demons would come out. He said, Lord, yes, I know, I prayed, but they didn't come out. Jesus said, I said they would come out. He was very angry with Ken Hagin, and his eyes were, you know, uh, with fire. And Ken Hagin, you know, um, and then he disappeared. Kagan knew he was in trouble. Like Jesus was very displeased with him. So he called the man back. He called the man back. And he laid hands on him again. And he says, says, now touch your toes. 
He didn't say if. Instantly, the man got healed. Then Kenneth Hagin said this. It's one of the reasons why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. He said this. He said, no matter who we are, no matter how anointed we have, no matter what the gifts of the Spirit we have, it all still works by faith. Everybody say, all works by faith. Don't put faith. Even though, even though there was an anointing that he could feel in his hands, it didn't work because it didn't operate by faith. And that's why faith is very important. The third one was the, the, the man who had the epileptic seizures. You know, again, he came and came forward. Then he lay hands on him. Nothing happened. The man went back to the seat, you know, and then he had discerning of spirits. He saw an evil spirit sitting on the man's shoulder and he had his hands wrapped against the guy's neck. Like, you know, if people are wrestling. You know, if you're wrestling, that's how that evil spirit, that was what's causing the epileptic seizures. So, Ken Hagen saw in the spirit, you know, through discerning of spirits and word of knowledge. They said, come back, come back, come back. So, the man now came back, you know, laid his hands on him and cast out that spirit. The spirit let go of the man's head dropped, it was like a little monkey, dropped to the floor, and then ran out, and instantly the man was healed. Now, the question is, why didn't they get healed simply by Kenneth Hagen laying hands on them? Why was it that God had to intervene sovereignly through the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the manifestations to come? Because of what I'm about to teach you. And majority of people, that's what they want. But you won't get that all the time. Occasionally you will. But you've got to learn how to receive by faith without. That's why I had them sing that song. The Thomas kind of faith. You know, if you're waiting for some manifestation. If you have to see feel it, touch it, or taste it. You're not going to get it, generally speaking. But if you will act in faith after you've been prayed for and you believe, even when you don't feel anything, you will find that the healing will come. So these doctors of the law and the Pharisees, and, 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 you know, and they were not bad people. They, some of them were, but some of them just came. You know, The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them, them them the doctors of the law, them the Pharisees. But let's read what happened. And behold, I didn't hear you. Men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy. You know, he was paralyzed. You know, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. That is, they wanted to bring the man in front of Jesus. But when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. Everybody said because of the multitude. Peter's house was full. All these top pastors and general overseers and bishops were in the, were in the building. One small man who nobody knows. He couldn't even get inside. And I'm sure, you know, I believe, I'm not sure. But I believe... That at the gate you have people like John, the two sons of thunder, James and John, you know, and Andrew and, and, and Philip and Bartholomew. They say, who are you? 
Come on. This meeting is for, is for the top, is for the top pastors, you know. Because it was this, it was a, like it was a it was a minister's conference. It wasn't just for everybody. You know. But these boys didn't give up. The Bible says, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. There was just too many people, so they couldn't get to the front. They went up. They went upon the housetop and let him down through tiling with his couch into the middle before Jesus. See, the Lord, in those days, the way they used to do it was that, you know, Jesus was in the center. So the scribes were all sitting around him. And there was a space between him and, you know, the front row. Then you have a, like a semi, you know, like a circle, you know. That's how they used to do it. And in those days, you know, he, he would sit. Or the people would be sitting there. They had all these couches where they would sit on, you know. They didn't have chairs like the kind of chair we have today. They would sit, you know. And many times when Jesus would read the scripture, he would stand to read and he would sit to teach, you know. So there was this. Uh, this thing there. So they, they, so what these boys did, you know, was when they couldn't find any way to be able to come in, they went on the roof. And in those days, you know, it's not like today where we have cement and, you know, they used to make the roof with, you know, um, thatches and things like that. So they were not too difficult to remove. So they removed the uh, tilings of the roof. And now, what I'm about to say to you is of extreme importance. Hello? If you're on my side, give me a wave offering. I want your full attention. It took a lot of effort to do what they did. Physical inconvenience. They had to look at this. They went to the roof. They removed the tiling, but that's not all. They now have to move the man physically. So you can imagine how many, like at least four of them. One here, one here, one here. To take, can you imagine carrying a person on a bed onto a rooftop? It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. It wasn't just something you just do, you know, casually. They, then how they open the roof, then they, they had the bed... So they now use some rope or something to start lowering the man down. Jesus was impressed. The Bible says, and he looked up. You know, the first thing that will come to your mind is, ah, who are these rascals? Who are destroying the roof in Peter's house? Well, you know, Jesus' mind is always in compassion. The roof was not the most important thing. The sick man was more important than the roof. I'm not talking to anybody here. So they let him down through tiling with his couch into the midst or in the middle before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, ah, talk about faith. I just got a tweet from the Holy Ghost. I've been praying, preaching these things for years. But each time, you know, the word of God is like that. You get new insight. All that time, nothing happened to the man. 
he was as paralyzed as he was while they were taking the roof off, while they put him on the bed. You know, if somebody would have said, ah, if I fall down, or if anything happens, you know, no, 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 no. Let's wait. Maybe after the meeting, we will see the man. You know, it's too dangerous for you to take me up. I'm just seeing this now. The man agreed. The man agreed. That was the degree to which he wanted his healing. He was ready to take some degree of inconvenience, some degree of risk in order to get his healing. How many of us are like that today? How desperate are you for your healing? How desperate are you for your miracle? So, they let him down. The Bible says, and Jesus, he saw. See, the Bible says, faith without works is dead. He said, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The, 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 what they did demonstrated that they believed. So they let him down. They saw their faith. Then he does a strange thing. Instead of pronouncing healing on the man, it's obvious the guy is paralyzed. Jesus doesn't do that first. The first thing he does is to remit his sins. I'm going to come back to that before I finish this message. And you know, God's been speaking to that a lot about to me, you know. That's why usually when I pray, I remit the people's sins. See, because you see, when there is sin blocking, it blocks the anointing. So the first thing Jesus does is to remit his sins. Observe, no anointing oil. That's not the important thing. The important thing is faith. James chapter 5 says the prayer of faith. He didn't say the anointing oil. And then all this has its place because it helps some people to trigger their faith. But I discourage it. Because I want you to be able to have faith in the word. Not in some physical thing. So, he says, man, he knew he had to heal him. But he knew he had to get rid of his sins first. So, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Immediately, he says that. It triggers indignation from these word of faith boys. Because you see, these people were schooled in the scripture. They knew the Bible. They knew the Bible. And immediately in their mind, they knew the letter of the word, but they did not understand the spirit of the word. So they said, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Saying, who is this which speaketh? They didn't say it out loud. They said it inside. Which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They did not realize this was God in the flesh. They didn't have the revelation that this is a representative of God. I just got another tweet. Which, again, I've been preaching this for years. I haven't seen before. You know, we will say, yes, because you're the son of God. Yeah, people have been forgiving sins. Men of God have been forgiven sins in the Bible down through the centuries. Any messenger of God, even in the Old Testament, had the ability, 
you know, and the authority to be able to remit a person's sin. Example, because you asked me, Pastor, you must give me scripture for that. Elijah, Elisha, the airman comes to him. We know the story. And Elisha tells him to go and jump in the lake, <laughs> the Jordan River. He comes, he goes, goes seven times, and the man gets healed. The man comes back to the house, and he wants to give gifts. Elisha says, no, 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 I'm not going to take anything from you. Then he asks for permission. It's covering to cover the sin. He said, when I get back, I have to go to the temple of my boss. Now I know that the only true God is the God of Israel. When I have to go to the temple because, you know, I'm the second in command, you know, and, you know, when they, they, they worship, I have to bow down too. He said, forgive this sin. Go and check it. Pardon thy servant. And you know what Elijah said? It's okay. In the Old Testament. So it was actually, you see, and I, I, the Holy Spirit, I've been preaching this for years. I've never connected these two stories in this manner. You know, this revela fresh revelation. If Elisha, under the Old Testament, had the power to forgive Nehemiah's sin, is it too much for Jesus in the New Testament? The Son of God, the Word manifests in the flesh to forgive the sin of this poor man. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.